0: So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves, grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. All right, I got a five-star review from Dwayne Del Peach. Five stars, Pat is the man. Down-to-earth dude. I love how he drives deep into everyone's business. Keep rocking it, Pat. Thank you. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want. Or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation. I got a great guest coming out of Louisville, Kentucky. Mr. Cliff Hayden is on the line. And uh, Cliff used to be an agent. Then made a conscious decision to get the hell out of the business. And now he's still in real estate, but he's doing all kinds of different stuff. And I thought I'd get him on and talk to him a little bit about, like, you know, why he chose to get out of the commission game and why he's in the game that he is now and what he's doing, what's working, what's not. You guys could use this, you know, for working with investors, you could use it for working with flippers working with buy and hold people, working with Airbnb people. You know, it's kind of, Cliff is going to give us the inside scoop on all of these things as to what is happening and new and timely in the market with regards to that. And I got a special, special kind of double guest today too, guys. I have Mr. Ian Lobos. Uh, Ian is my co-host today and he is going to dig in to some uh, good questions with Cliff because he Buys and sells rentals himself, and he is a serious hardcore real estate agent as well. Ian, thanks, thank you, Pat. Hey, co-host. Rockstar Nation. Thanks, guys. So, hey, Ian, welcome as the co host, and, and why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks, Pat. Hey, Rockstar Nation. I am I'm super excited to be here. I'm kind of pinching myself. This is, uh, this is awesome. I talked to Pat about doing this, and uh, it's kind of a little bit of a dream. A little bit about myself. I'm from Baltimore. I've been in real estate for about seven years. My wife and I run a team here with both retail agents and investor agents. And we also do wholesaling and we're, uh, we're investors. We've got around a hundred units, single and multifamily. And we're getting into more commercial space now. We're just, just looking for that passive income, that lifestyle of freedom. And uh, it's what turned me on to your show, Pat, and what got me into the organization that you're in as well. And you know, here we are.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad to have you as a co-host because you know your stuff, and, uh, and this is going to be fun. And the one thing about Ian is he asks great questions. I actually was a, a guest on another podcast that he was hosting, and I said, man, you ought to come on as a co-host. And he goes, dude, I'd <laughs> love to because I'm all about real estate. So that's how he got here today. Love so, it. And uh, so without further ado, Cliff, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
2: Pat, I appreciate it. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Cliff why don't you kind of give everybody a little rundown on who you are and that sort of thing so we get to know you better.
2: Okay. Well, you already said my name Cliff Hayden. I am a husband and proud father of five beautiful kids. So, we got a small basketball team at home. So, I when I started out, I was very gung-ho and had a full-time job at AT&T. I have quit my job at AT&T about 10 years ago and and and, and for the record, I do I am proud of I hold the longest suspension in AT&T history. So, I'm I'm pretty proud of that. And if we got what,
0: high, what does that mean?
2: It, it means I was suspended before I quit my full time job. I got suspended for four and a half months. To make why, sure. what did uh, you
0: do?
2: I did actually, I didn't do anything bad. I was so I'm a lower, I'm raised lower middle class. And so I had a great job at AT&T. I was making between 80 and 100,000 dollars a year as a 20, what, 23, 24 year old kid. So I was doing very well there. And I got it in real estate while I was working a full time job. And so um, I got to the point where, at that time, I was doing rental houses, and I got to the point where I was making quite a bit of money doing that, and I wanted to quit my job, but I didn't have the guts to walk away from a job like that because I did not have a college degree. I didn't, there wasn't a lot of jobs in our town that you could make that kind of money at that age. And so what I did is I had a CDL license because uh, I drove the big bucket trucks. I was actually a construction worker for AT&T and a CDL you had to take a drug test a random drug test and so they told me to take a drug test and I told them no and so when they when I tell them no that's the same as a fail and so when you fail you got to go to counseling so you got to go to drug rehab and so in drug rehab I had a counselor in there who it couldn't have worked out better it was actually my aunt and uncle's next door neighbor and so while I was in counseling it was confidential so I kind of told him you know what I was doing that I don't have a problem I just I want to see if I can do this real estate full time before I quit my job and so he kind of worked with me and uh, he let me drag out eight hours of rehab to four and a half months. So that's how long it take, took me to complete eight hours of rehab.
0: Did you get paid during that time?
2: I did not. But okay. I'll tell you okay. this. Okay. At I least you didn't not, get
0: paid. <laughs> yeah. I was going to be like, man.
2: <laughs> I, I did keep my medical insurance, which was a big deal. And yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah, I was very excited. And so, so that
0: was the main thing, right? And you didn't want to, you know, uh, yeah, and you didn't want to, you know, give up a good thing and then. Find out you hate real estate.
2: Yes, and, and I knew in my heart, and my gut, I knew that if I had the time and energy to put it in to do this full time, that I could make it. So I just wanted to get that, you know, get that time. And, and actually, the first month that I was on suspension, um, I made my salary there doing real estate. So that,
0: selling, you were an agent, right?
2: Correct. So so yeah. So I had rental housing when I first started, and then when I transitioned from AT and I actually worked with a big foreclosure agent in town who just happened to be there in 2008, 2009 when the crash came. So if you were a foreclosure agent in that time, I mean, you could write your own check. And so I was a buyer's agent at that time and I was selling left and right. And so I was doing very well with that. And then from there, I found niches as I was going, just kept my ears open and, and just kept working hard. And we found a niche in the foreclosure market where a lot of banks in our town, a lot of banks everywhere did not have people that could fix up these foreclosures to not have people to trash them out or work on them. And so I found a niche with some of the bigger foreclosure agents in town and started a general contracting company and started fixing up those houses and making money doing that along with being an agent. And then what I learned was, I guess kind of an eye-opening experience, was a lot of the agents who were not foreclosure agents were struggling because everybody was buying foreclosures in our town. And then what I learned is when the foreclosures dried up, all the foreclosure agents were struggling because everybody was buying retail houses and so in that, in that time frame, I was, I knew some investors that as a buyer's agent, I saw them and they had a lifestyle that I was just intrigued by because they literally did what they wanted. They were very happy. They weren't stressed out like I was all the time running around crazy.
0: And so I started, let me, let me stop you right there. Right. Because yeah. I think that that's important. So, and, and it kind of ties into me too, like my life, like I was an agent up until I sold my team in 2010 and my whole Vision all along was to be this like uh, guy, uh, investor, right? And um, yep. because the lifestyle, you can do what you want, you can wear what you want, you can work when you want, and uh, basically, it's 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 less stress. And is that does that describe kind of why you got out of sales and into investing?
2: Yes, one hundred percent. And another big factor was, like I told you earlier, I have five kids, and I guess the best way to say it was. I was providing for my family. Our income was very high. I was very much providing, but I really wasn't providing for them because I wasn't home enough. I wasn't being a good husband. I wasn't being a good father because I was just working. Now we had a lot of fancy stuff and nice house and all that stuff, but it came to a point where there was so much tension at home that I knew something just had to change and I had to slow down and I had to get my priorities back in order. And that's what I've been doing for about the last five or six years.
0: And, and how'd you do that? How'd you go from agent to investor? Like, how, how, again, you, you think the AT&T jump was hard to do, but that, that had to be even harder, right? Or did you have, did you buy a certain amount of properties and have those properties paying your monthly bills before you made the move?
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. So when I was at at and I was buying real estate the whole time. And I'm sorry. Sorry about that. just to interrupt. Yeah, it's a. It's so, a. Uh, so, I was so,
0: yeah. So, buying you real, estate real estate
2: the whole time, and, and and my income, my real estate was just kind of paying for itself off to the side, kind of like a retirement fund. And then my AT and T salary is what we lived on. And so, as time went by, you know, time fixes everything. So houses were getting paid down, getting mm. paid off. But the problem was when I started buying that I was buying the wrong type of houses. So even though I had income coming in, the stress with the property management. I was in the wrong areas of town. I had the wrong tenants. I wasn't qualifying the tenants correctly. I just had so much going on. It was just—it was almost a bomb waiting to explode. There were just too many pieces. I had my hands in too much stuff. What
0: um, specifically did you do wrong? Like what? What were you buying that was wrong? So we can learn from this. And what? Uh, what did you switch to?
2: So, so I was buying based on, I guess, math, if that makes sense. So I would buy houses based on cash flow. Well, cash flow is king, but I was buying houses in neighborhoods where, you know, rent might be the fourth or fifth priority on their list of what they're going to pay every month. So when that's on their list, you're chasing those people down. You're struggling that, you know, you're always filing evictions. You're always got repairs. You've got just problems going on. And so those problems over here kept building up because over here I had a general contracting company. Over here, I was a buyer's agent. I had so many things going on. Nothing was running efficiently. I was all just always, every day, just putting out fires. I mean, that was my day. Wake up, put out fires.
0: Okay, talk to me about this because I hear all the time, because I I buy on cash flow and I have bought on cash flow. And and I agree with you, by the way. And I think a lot of people listening need to hear this because, you know, sometimes when you're looking at some of these lower-end houses – you look at them and say, man, I could buy this for, you know, 45 grand and then I can cash flow 750. Those are, those are good returns, 750 a month. But at the end of the day, maybe not so. So talk to me about that. Like-
2: so, and I'm not saying it's wrong. Everybody's got to start somewhere. So I say you get a plan together and you start and your plan will evolve like mine did. So, so what I say, my thought is you buy on, on lifestyle because all this is to have a certain lifestyle that you want to have. So now all my C and D properties are now I've I've sold them off or upgraded to A and B properties, and so I would say you buy based on what what life do you want what do you, what do you how do you want to spend your time what do you want to do, if all you're worried about is cash then you buy those lower end houses lower end areas because you're going to have a lot of cash flow. If you're looking for a better lifestyle, I say you buy nicer houses and nicer areas, and you have less headache. You can get a lot you can screen and get a lot better quality customers in there you can get
0: so you get less rent you get less rent but you're saying that a lot of times with the less rental properties the management is 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 excessive and the repairs are excessive and and by by the way when, when he means a b c and d it's it's all based on a year you know a is is a is prime properties that are newer you know d is is 1940s you know, 1930s, 1950s, and so, correct, correct,
2: yes, correct. And my, I call them cookie cutter houses. So, so my houses now are three bedroom, two bath with basements, garages. It's a, it's a house that a family can grow up in, a house they can have kids and they're going to stay in for a while. I don't do, I, I, those houses, and I don't say I give up cash flow. I buy different now. So when I first started buying, I'm going to jump back. We talked about this earlier. Yeah, yeah. When I first started buying, um, I thought you had to have cash. I thought you had to have bank loans. I thought you had to go leverage yourself to the gills uh, and then hold on. And then one day when they're paid off, you're going to make it. And so what I did is back then, you could literally, I had a good job at ATT. I bought a house on credit cards because they would do cash balance transfers. I would, I had, I would buy a house on credit cards. I'd fix them up, refinance and pull my money out. I, I would do that over and over. I kind of call that caveman investing. Uh, that's what I did for years. And, it was, and, I, and I would do that and I was very good at it. And I would buy very low and pull out all my money, um, sometimes pull out money that I shouldn't have pulled out. And then I would uh, rent them out and go from there. Well, now I do a lot different. Now I buy a lot of things on terms. I don't put my money at risk like I used to. My cash now goes into IRA account, tax-free investing. Uh, so now I buy houses subject to, I buy them seller finance, I'm real big in VRBOs right now. I think the math on VRBO houses, which are vacation rental by owner, are extremely more lucrative than rental house numbers. So I've just talking to me about that. So we do two VRBO houses, and we have them. And so our niche on VRBO is we buy really high end houses. So we buy houses that my family and my kids we're gonna go we're gonna go stay. So when we leave and go on vacation, we stay in VRBO. So I'm talking five, six bedrooms, three or four baths. They got a pool. Uh, they got land. Uh, they're in a great area. They're in a, in a place somebody would really, that they don't usually get to go visit. And so we kind of do that and we rent them out for large amounts of money and we do great on it. I, my two RBO, VRBOs I have bring in, it's like having 10 paid $4,000 a month rental houses. Uh, just those two.
0: So two properties. Now, Now, wh- how do you deal with you know, things like neighborhood associations and city ordinances and things like that?
2: So I went around that. So in Louisville, they just passed a, uh, you got to get a business license and it's just a bunch of headache stuff. So we just bought our houses outside of Louisville. So we're in little small counties. So, so in Louisville, we have bourbon. I don't, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows that we're, we're big on bourbon. So we have what they call a bourbon trail. And so a lot of people come from, we get a lot of people from California who come in because they want to go to the bourbon trail and they're very nice people. And I talk to them all the time and they're like, well, we don't have trees. We don't have grass. You know, we're, we're out in the middle of, you know, hot. So we have deer in our backyard. We have high end houses and we're getting people all over the country coming to do the bourbon trail and just hang out. And they're real higher end, nice people. We haven't had any problems with our houses. They're people like us that just travel and have fun. And they usually got friends with them or other families or their kids, and the, uh, it's great. So I, I, it's really something I'm looking into, especially when the market hopefully crashes. And I shouldn't say hopefully. When the market corrects itself down the road, then I'm going to go in and start looking at some VRBOs pretty hot and heavy, because I think the math and the numbers make sense. Okay, so let's
0: let's talk a little bit more about that. So you know, you've you've seen some seasons, let's say, right? And, and uh, yes. you. And you were involved in in the season. You were heavily involved, meaning you you started out as as kind of you know shorting the season, right? Because you you know your broker he was he was making money where everybody else was sucking wind. Correct. And then it started becoming traditional, and then he started sucking wind, right? And so you've seen it all. What's your prediction on the next five years?
2: You know, I have my theories. So my theories are, back when the last market started crashing, I remember getting stuff in the mail like, you're pre-approved for a $250,000 unsecured line of credit. I would, start, I would start seeing telltale signs of stuff in the mail and money getting real loose. And then when money got real loose, it seemed like it wasn't too long after, you know three, four, five years after that, stuff started correcting itself. And so I see that now. I'm starting to get those letters in the mail now. In our town, our market is still pretty hot. Now, we're not getting... I should say it this way. We're we're back to normal stages. Before, uh, a few years back I put a house on the market. It would go above asking price and the day I put it on there. I put it on the market for 150 grand, they give me an offer for 160. Now we're seeing $150,000 property, you still get 150, but it might take you 30 days to get it now, 45 days. So we're kind of getting back to normal times. I think when the banks now, if you start watching them, the rates are going a little back back up, which means the prices are going to go down and I see I got a good friend, we actually just had a mastermind group last uh, Wednesday at our attorney's office, and he was talking about they're doing different ways to loan money now. And I want to say it's called a QM. I don't know exactly what that stands for, but it's basically a subprime loan. So he's starting to see telltale signs of, okay, money's getting a little different now than it was before. And when I start seeing that, when people can get
0: It definitely is. They've dropped, in, I mean, uh, there's, there's lenders giving, you know- low, low credit scores, right? Like like 500 yes. credit scores. You can get a loan. There's, there's a stated income again. There's, you know, there's all kinds of loans popping up. And another thing that's popping up, which was indicative of the last crash, mortgage brokers. Yes. You know what I mean? Like be- yep. before, you know, went from, oh, there was all these brokers, right? And they're like, hey, I can give you a loan. I can, you know, access 600 different lenders get you the best deal which which was great you know it was, it was one-stop shopping and 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 they found these subprime products they found these products that maybe a conservative lender or, or or your bank wouldn't have and then they all went away because they regulated the shit out of them and 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 they you know they required them to have a couple mil in the bank and and things like that and they couldn't just be like working out of their house and then so now what I've seen is a bunch of brokers are starting to come back in the market almost to like it's a new fad. Another telltale uh, sign. Yep. Yeah.
2: No, I, I agree. So I don't have a magic ball, but so what I would do, you
0: ass- do? I mean, what do you do? are you gonna slow down your buying? Uh no. So what I do, I kind of
2: ride the wave. Just like right now when stocks are high, I don't buy, I sell. When stocks are low, I'm gonna buy. So right now the market's pretty hot. So I do a lot of flips right now. I do a lot of stuff to generate cash because my whole goal is to get out of debt. So all I think about anymore, I'm kind of a Dave Ramsey fan, is just get out of debt. I was leveraged to the gills. Now I got space. I had a big hole I dug. Now I got that hole filled in. I'm starting to stockpile. So what I'm doing is selling right now while the market's hot, everything I get my hands on. And then when the market crashes, I'll start buying. And what I like to buy those VRBOs is because when it, last time when the market corrected itself, the higher end houses, you could get the better deals on. The margins on those type of houses were way better. And so I like to get, a, you know, several of those and then uh, just rent those out VRBO and rock and roll from there. Cliff, are you planning to buy all of your VRBOs
1: or are you planning on doing like, I've heard people doing subleasing on apartments and things like that to do short-term rental. You planning on buying all of them?
2: Yeah, I, yeah, my, I, I like owning stuff. So that's just my preference. I like to have my teeth in it, I like to own it. So, yes, yeah, so we'll buy them and then we'll buy them. I like buying stuff so I got as many exit strategies as possible. So, I always say I want to buy, when I buy my properties now, if I had, if crap hit the fan and I had to liquidate everything, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be leveraged so much so where if I got to sell, I'm going to take a big hit. So, I buy it so I can exit. I can either wholesale it, I can rent it, I can flip it, or sell on terms. If I can do all of those with my deal and still do a profit, then I, that's the deal that I really like
1: got it. Are you looking at buying? What's your, what's your, what's your goal? Is it 50, 100? I, I just, I have some friends that buy and sublease a ton of short-term rentals and they're in the hundreds at this point, cash flowing a couple hundred a month.
2: Man, it makes my, it, it makes my stomach hurt when you say that many properties. So <laughs> I had, you, you know, there was a time a lot of guys in our town had a hundred plus houses and I was like, you know what, when I got into real estate, I need a hundred houses. Whatever that number is for, I have no idea, but that hundred houses was like, I'm going to make it then. And so I got about a little over halfway there and I was like, this sucks because now I have one maintenance crew. If you get over, you know, when you get to 50 to 60 houses, now you got to hire two maintenance crews and then you want to go, well, I might as well get hundred houses because I got to keep them busy. And I wasn't having fun. I was, I was stressed out all the time. So what I learned is if you don't have debt and you literally have 20, house, 10 or 20 houses with no debt, you can pretty much do what you want to do on a daily basis. And so back to earlier, that lifestyle is all I focus on now. So my focus is every summer now, I've got the point, and I want to take it, this is easy to say when you got money too. When you got a little bit of cash and stuff, this is all easy to say. You got growing pains through all this, which I went through. But now my goal is, now that I have some money, is to spend time with my family. So, so last year, we were so lucky, we got to rent an RV and we went out west for 40 days. That's cool. And so we went to... And I spoke along the way, so we kind of made it a write-off, also, which is pretty neat. But we went up to all through Arizona, all through California, Oregon, Washington, Utah, and came back home. And so I couldn't have done that if I had a hundred houses, if I had hundreds of subleases, because you can't. The thing I I loved about my vacation is I didn't enjoy it for the last ten days, and and the reason was was because when you when you're so busy doing this stuff, you get engulfed in it, and it's come, it becomes a part of you. So every day I was I had some. I always thought I had something I had to be doing. And, and, and I always was worried about, well, if I'm not there, something's going to bad thing going to happen. Or this is going to happen. And I, part of the last year of the trip was to make sure I have systems in place that work. So I do have a staff. I do have VAs and I have a property manager. And what I learned after day 30 was, you know what? Nothing bad's happened. Nothing, nothing crazy has happened. And so for the last 10 days, I really forgot about everything and really enjoyed that trip. And then I was like, how can I be this way all the time and the problem was when I came back, I was that way for about a week and then was back into the same, same routine. So my goal now is to have that lifestyle where I'm kind of free and I'm, I'm really enjoying doing things that I like doing, which right now is podcasts. I'm, I've been doing this for a while and I love these interviews. I love meeting people like you and Pat. And so that's what I want to spend my time doing. And I can do that based on my strategy and, and the income that I have now.
0: Amazing Read. For Agents Who Want to Blow Their Business Up, Six Steps to Seven Figures was an amazing read. Pat breaks it down into simple, actionable steps that if taken will almost guarantee seven-figure success in the real estate sales business. Couldn't recommend this enough. Wow. Thank you for the awesome Amazon review, Gero 215. Now, do you want to get your hands on this book for free and blow your business up? Here's how. Go to the free six steps dot com. That's free, S I X steps dot com right now, or simply text the word Pat to four 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 nine nine nine. That's text Pat to four 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 nine nine nine, and I'll send you a free book.
1: So if you were to start today, there's a lot of people listening that maybe they want to buy their first property. They just haven't been able to pull the trigger. What kind of advice would you give someone to to locate property, locate some funds, locate cash, and get rolling? Like get their first
2: property in the next 90 days? Yeah, I would say most towns have a real estate club. So I would say go to your local real estate club. And the key is education. So the first house, first two houses I bought did not turn out very well for me. Luckily, I was Dumb enough to stay in this business because I got burnt pretty bad, so get get with your local real estate club, educate yourself. There are tons of things out tons of people out there in books and YouTube that can help you build your strategy. So my thought is, get educated, have a strategy first don 't just buy something to buy it. Have a strategy, and then get with a I, I got lucky. There was a lot of older guys in our town that are very helpful, and a lot of them are really good friends now and, and find somebody who knows what they 're doing and take them out to lunch. spend time with them and just learn and then figure out what you want to do, and and then there comes a point where you just do it. You got to stop worrying about it and and doing it. You just jump into it, and like Nike says, just do it, and then uh, you'll learn as you go from there. That's that's how it worked for me anyway.
1: What was the biggest thing you were afraid of? What do you think the biggest thing people
2: are afraid of in getting Um, into investing? So I'm trying to think back when I first started. My biggest thing is, I guess, just the fear of the unknown. Kind of like think of a comedian. I'm a big Dave Chappelle fan, so I remember Dave Chappelle talking about, you know, he was always nervous of bombing on stage and everybody, you know, booing him and everything else. And he goes, you know what? I did get booed and it wasn't that bad. Right. Uh, but it was just getting over that fear of you just do it. And if you really want to do it and you're, and you're really serious in your heart about, you know, I want financial freedom. I want passive income um, and I want to kind of make my own lifestyle, then you just got to kind of do it. I don't know if I was really, uh, I guess I got lucky. I had a mentor when I first started, a guy named Mike Butler. And he kind of, um, I got to run things by him. And I, back to that, I think a mentor is always good for people, especially first starting off. And he just made sure that I didn't fall on my face. Um, he put me in a great spot and I used his systems and kind of got off on the right foot, which would have took a lot longer if I didn't have a mentor. And so he was very helpful in becoming who I am today. And that's, it. I think you just do it. And I think it's just, you just kind of make a plan and you just got to run with it. Yeah. You, you'll yeah. figure it out as you go because it's never going to work out perfect. It never does. Advice so, uh, that I got in the beginning was,
1: was get a good mentor and just take action. Yes. And the fear is always you're not going to die. You know, could you lose the house? Yeah, but that, that might not happen. Could you lose all your money? Yeah, but that probably won't happen if you buy it well. If you have a mentor and you buy it well and you're somewhat educated, pull the trigger.
2: Yeah. And I, I love the saying, you can't fail if you don't quit. Cause if you don't quit at it, you're not right. going to, you'll, you'll find a way to find the money and you'll find a way to figure right. it
0: out. And that's where it helps to buy into the, the lower end and, and that sort of when thing. When you first you start. Know, yes. When True. you first start, you know. So, all right. So Cliff, tell me about this uh, show me the rental thing here. You got created a little product there.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought I had that turned off. So I apologize. It's uh, all right. So show me the rental was created to save my marriage. So when I when I would come home from work from the office, I basically would come home to work at home, and mm-hmm. so I would I would be at the kitchen table with my kids, and I'd have at that time I'd have two or three empty rental houses at all times. Uh, there would always be stuff turning over, and so I can still remember sitting at the table and my phone would ring. I get text messages. I was always I was never engaged at the table, and my wife would get so mad, like literally, and. Both of us thought we were right. She was like, You need to be here with your kids. And I was like, Well, how do you think we get food on the table? This is how this is how we work. This is what we do. And so it just caused a lot of problems. And then I thought, you know what? There's gotta be a better way, because she's right. I mean, the whole point of this money is to, you know, enjoy it. And I wasn't enjoying it. And so we found of we found that we were asking the same questions and doing the same thing over and over. And so I went out and looked for a system that could do what I wanted and I could not find one. And, and basically what, what we wanted is something that would kind of a one-stop shop. It would advertise on all the major websites. When somebody inquired, it would, enter, it, would, it would screen them based on questions we asked tenants over and over, and then it would set up showing appointments. From After they see the property, it would then send them an application link. They would fill out an application, and then we would talk to them. I could not find anything out there like that. So then I just created it myself.
0: Off. So, so, guys, I've seen this. It basically, you, you get to pick like up to twenty questions. You can make five. You can make twenty. That it asks them, you know, to kind of pre-qualify them, and then it, once they pass the process, it gives them, hey, you know, an agent will meet you there, or it just gives them the lockbox code, you, you know, providing that they've passed the qualification, maybe, and and. Or it, it'll tell them, hey, the tenant's home, you know, go on over there at that time. Whatever the case may be, it kind of like, it kind of serves as a, as basically as an, a rental agent, you know, online. And, and it does all that. And it's dirt cheap too, it's 40, 49 bucks a month, right? It's not
2: even a month, it's 49 bucks until the house is rented.
0: 49 hours per house. So Per
2: house. You know, it's a so no brainer,
0: it's not, yeah.
2: It really is. We made it that cheap because talking with my wife, I actually get to enjoy dinners now, and so if we can help more people enjoy dinner uh, with their family, which it, which is what this is about, so it's it's just a huge time saver. I can't I can't stress enough. Of course, I'm partial to it, but it is just my life is so much easier. And I don't have to deal with the same mundane questions over and over. Only talk to people that are not qualified anyway. So and I don't guys tenants tenants
0: are a little different than buyers. You know, with buyers on for real estate agents with buyers, you know, you're a little concerned about. You know, oh, you don't want to lose them, or you don't want another agent to get them. But with tenants, I mean, you know, uh, you just you're not as you're not concerned about that at all. If they want to see the house, they're going to fill it out. You know what I mean? And so it's a different dynamic, and and it's easier to write the rules there. And guys, I'm going to put a link to his website that he created. I'm going to put a link to all the Cliff's stuff on hybendigital.com. Backslash Cliff Hayden, and it's H A Y D E N. Yes, Cliff sir. Hayden and uh, CLIFF. And I'm going to put a link to all of uh, Cliff's information. If you guys want to reach out to him and say, hey, if, if you want some advice on buying rentals and renting rentals and, or not, right, or selling rentals or Airbnbs or whatever the case may be, it'll all be on there as well as a link to the website. Cliff, this has been a blast, buddy. If I'm ever in Louisville, Kentucky, I'll look you up and uh, we can break some bread.
2: Please do. We got a bourbon. We got a lot of bourbon here. It's pretty fun. I'll take you out anywhere you want to go.
0: Sounds like a plan. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe, yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings, and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities, all that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get, so please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you.